everyone. Welcome to Shaken and Disturbed. I am Darren Carp, a little echoey in my empty apartment. This is my last official New York Full recording. Case, Full yeah. case, along with my partner in crime, John Thrasher, who's drinking his, what is it, a brisk? This is episode it? is brought to you by Lipton. I almost said Lipton Brisk. It's Lipton, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Isn't it Lipton? Lipton is nowhere to be found on the can. It just Look at the manufacturer. Brisk. Like okay, the, it does say it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. For all the guys listening, out, okay, no, watching. we 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 believed you. We, we believed, believed you. Okay. Oops, we believed we believed you. Uh, but this is my last official New York <laughs> recording, and um, so How you feeling? I feel okay. I apologize for any bad sound, but this you is it. Good. Yeah, you this sound is, good. We're we're gonna just be recording earlier, and I'm gonna be all tan and vibing Ooh. out. Ooh, from here on out that. i'm not going to be a stressed anxious new yorker well we talked about this a lot on last week's or this past nmr so go listen to that if you haven't yet but you know what i just realized too darren you were enticing me to come to the beach which i will be doing whether you like it or not mm-hmm. you are going to have a nice warm cozy sunny winter this year which is very unlike the new york city winters well at least it's going to be mild because i'm on the west side so it's right. not going to be like death valley oh, essentially but it's going to be mild and nice well, and that's um, lovely you'll have a lot more sun that's i can't wait for you to come visit me listen i literally if you have the space we'll move in for months at a time i see no reason why i wouldn't oh, you know oh, months oh. is oh. visiting and months are a little different Whoopsies. But, all right yeah. well okay well as um, my final as my final plea <laughs> in new york city before we get into this week's case i have homework uh, for you, children of the corn, and you must watch, if you listen to NMR, you know what I'm about to say, but you have to watch (laughs) The Curious Case of Natalia Grace on Max for next week's episode. We're going to do a little bonus episode of John's initial reactions as he's seen the first two episodes right now, and he doesn't know where it's going. Well, I understand that, and that's why I'm going to like bounce, but I need to hear it. And then we're going to do a full recap of the entire six-part series, which is on Max. Um, So watch it for Monday the 17th. Let us know on thoughts on Facebook and Patreon, because we're going to yeah. read them, but I want everyone to catch up and I'm so excited about it. Yeah. I definitely want to know what people think. We're going to read some of your stuff. You know, like Darren just said, if you watch before the 17th of July, hit us up and we might read it. I, or yeah, on the air, I will say that Darren is not wrong. She hyped this up a couple of weeks ago. I mentioned it on NMR. Not She's wrong. not wrong. I'm only two episodes in at this stage. And I'm it's not wrong. shocking. Not, you know what else? And let me just say this briefly as a little tease. I really like how many different um, people were are involved in figuring this out. A lot of out. layers. A lot, a lot of, of layers. layers. That's a good way to put it. It's a blooming onion of the worst type. Let's put it that That's way. Right. Yeah. That's right. Um, so it's we'll be a seven-layer dip of <laughs> yeah. chilies. Yes. Something like that. Yeah. So um, next week, everyone, we'll be covering it. For everyone watching on Patreon right now, a uh, little bit of an itchy nose. Uh, please do not zoom in or uh, pause the video. When I'm great, scratching my nose. Great commentary. Um, great Want to get into this week's case? Let's do it. Let's just get right into it. How about that? So on June 4th, 1960, four teenagers set out to Espoo, Finland for an overnight camping trip. You're my trip. little Espoo. Espoo. Little Espoo. You're my little Espoo. A little something like that. The group consisted of two couples. There were two young girls, both aged 15. Their names were Myla and Anya. And their 18-year-old boyfriends, Seppo and Nils. Now, these are obviously Finnish names, so hopefully we're getting all these right. I don't claim to be an expert in Finland, of course. Um, Nils was with Myla, and Seppo was with Anya. 
And Seppo and Nils drove the girls on their motorcycles out to Espoo, where they set up a tent and came uh, to camp out along the shore of Lake Bodom. Again, hopefully I'm saying all these names right. This was, by the way, 1960, as I mentioned. So, I don't know, there's something like very like 60s, 70s about being on a motorcycle with your girlfriends, camping. Although this is in Europe, so maybe it's a little different, but I'm still thinking this. Yeah, Darren's yeah. giving like, yeah, like eye dancing. Yeah, yeah, okay. eye dancing, eye, eye dancing. dancing. That's what I'm doing. That's what you were doing, obviously. Uh, by the way, you can sign up to watch our video podcast on Patreon. So go do that now if you don't, if you haven't yet. Um, anyway, they spent the night around the campfire drinking and being, you know, typical teenagers as they enjoyed the warm summer night with each other. It was June, as I mentioned. Um, I love that. I grew up in Western Maryland where I'm living at the moment, and we had all kinds of campfires and bonfires and camping trips and trail hikes. You know, I, I kind of grew up the a best. lot more out. Yeah. And I grew up a, a lot more outdoorsy than I think people might realize because I'm such a baby about like, it's too hot or there's too many bugs. Like I'm still pretty much kind of like that. But, you know, I kind of relate to this because I really love summer, summer nights with friends. It was always the best. Nonetheless, that is, you know, they were all hanging out, but that was until between 4 a.m. and 6 a.m. when their night would take a sudden turn for the worst. And while they were sleeping, the slack tie on their tent was cut, causing it to collapse. Now, someone from outside of the tent then began blindly stabbing and beating them with a heavy object. What I think investigators suspected was a rock, actually. Um, shortly after 6 a.m. that same morning, a group of young boys were bird watching down by the shore, and in the distance, they saw a blonde man walking away from what appeared to be a pile of discarded fabric. Now, not seeing this carnage that laid underneath the tent, the bird watching boys didn't think twice about someone casually strolling through the wilderness. Right. Well, right, exactly. exactly. I'm not I sure mean, I would clock that either. No. I mean, I guess it kind of depends on where you are, too. Like, Right, or like what the fabric is like. but Right, exactly. You know, yeah. So around 11 a.m., however, another passerby noticed the fabric and peered in to get a closer look. So, yeah, I mean, it's like if he was like, that's the thing, because it's like if they see a blonde man walking away from what appeared to be a discarded pile of fabric, perhaps mm-hmm. you could just think that was that fabric was there all along. And this guy was just peering in like the kids. So it's like, who, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it could just be another passerby. Like, I don't know if I check it out. I don't know if I would. But if someone catches me doing it, it's just exactly. interesting. And also, maybe this area is known for camping. So, like, you know, sure. a discarded thing of fabric might not be that unusual, you know. Right. Or like kindling for something. Right. But now, if you're off the beaten path, you're right. You know, you're you're off a trail like a like a, a mile out, and you're seeing things like this, then major red flag. But maybe at this point it's just not for these people. So the passerby who noticed the fabric and peered in to get a closer look was a carpenter, and his name is Esko Oiva Johansson, and he stumbled upon the scene while he was out swimming in the lake and almost immediately noticed that something was awry. Mm-hmm. So this pile isn't hidden well, I guess. Under the fallen yeah. tent uh, laid Anya and Seppo, bludgeoned and stabbed mm-hmm. to death, and lying on top of the tent 
was Myla, who had also been stabbed. Wow. She had been stripped from the waist down and received significantly more wounds than anyone else, being stabbed multiple times after she had already died. Oh, Lord, that's terrible. So we're just missing one other guy, essentially, Nils. Yeah. Now, finally, Lay Nils, still half inside the tent, shattered jaw, knife wound to the forehead, uh, uh, and severely beaten, but miraculously still alive. Uh, How you can survive a knife wound to the forehead? I mean, obviously, I guess it depends oh on where it is, but it's just like, wow. Right. He was He was rushed to the hospital where he remained unconscious, of course, until the following day. And police arrived roughly an hour after the discovery of the scene and began their investigation. Just quickly. Mm -hmm. Upon inspection, there were some odd items missing from the teen's belongings. Could this have been a robbery? What What's the deal here? Although mm -hmm. I imagine people camping don't have a lot of like shit on them. Yeah. So and it's especially, an odd place for a robbery. I would assume that a lot of their stuff is maybe inside the tent as well. So like, you know, the way this was described so far with the details we have sounds difficult to do. So here's the thing. So both Seppo and Nils's keys were missing. And while their motorcycles remained exactly where they had been parked, this is a little odd that the mm -hmm. keys are missing. It appeared that Nils's shoes had been removed from the crime scene as well as he was found completely barefoot, which seems mm -hmm. kind of odd. I Very mean, weird. it's not like he was thrown from something that would have caused his shoes to be removed. Right. The attending officers called in for reinforcements, inviting the army to help search the area for more evidence. However, they made the crucial mistake of not closing off the crime scene before doing so. So this unfortunately meant hundreds of people entering and potentially contaminating the scene, just making it almost impossible to interpret vital forensic information from the remaining evidence that was there. Kind of gives me John Benny Ramsey vibes. Remember when that of was course. happening? Of course. Yeah, no, the they're just time? like, oh, yeah, use Clorox wipe that counter. Well, yeah, it's like, just yeah. come hang out at the house and we'll figure yeah. it out together. Why like, not? What? Yeah, exactly. Well, anyway, while searching uh, the area for the murder weapons, the search per party found Nils missing shoes about 500 yards from the tent. Interesting. There was a trail of shoe prints leading from the campsite to where they had been left. They were found tucked behind a tree and soaked in blood. Mm-hmm which would indicate obviously that they were taken off after he was at least attacked, maybe not before he was dead though. As word began getting around uh, about the murders, the young boys who had been at the lake came forward and told the police about the blonde man that they had seen earlier that morning, ensuing now a national manhunt. Now I know, I know I'm not saying this to sound uh, funny, but are, I would imagine that there are a lot of blonde people in Finland, right? Like, isn't that kind of like what somewhat what they're known for? I, mean, I feel I like they're only so blonde people in Finland. It's yeah, like Scandinavia what, in general, yes. I think is what it Thank is. Thank you. I was like, I hope I'm not like, you no. know, stereotyping True. there, but I think that might be it. Well, the blonde man was never formally identified, but it did remain a key point of evidence in narrowing down suspects. And with little to go on besides the scene itself, Investigators, which, by the way, is contaminated because they did not block it off. Investigators were eager eager to speak to Nils, the only survivor of the attack. Um, and I think I had just misunderstood that Nils, it was Nils missing shoes, not um, Seppo. So Nils right. had survived and hopefully um, would be but able to But that still means his shoes were taken but off. His yeah, exactly. So terrifying to think of, nonetheless. Um, however, when he finally came to consciousness, remember Nils was the one who was taken away and somehow survived his attacks. He told police he remembered very little between falling asleep and waking up in the hospital. I mean, he um, was stabbed in the forehead. And, and beaten with rocks. So that yeah. totally tracks. The only thing he managed to recall was that he was attacked first. 
And when asked to describe his attacker, all he could manage to remember was that he was wearing all black and had, quote, glaring red eyes, which is not, like, okay, not for nothing, but look at the shirt I'm wearing. <gasps> okay, Darren's wearing a black cat shirt with very scary eyes with a red background. Yep. That's not it. sure the connection, but we're going to just, just keep... yep, yep. This is it's just totally scary. Yeah, just scary, scary with a little oh, red and a little black. Just scary. Just, just scary. noting that it's scary. Nothing just to see here. Saying it's scary. Yeah. Well, Nils' statement was of little use to the police because who has glaring red eyes? I mean, that sounds kind of like a, a you know, like a horror movie. I mean, it or is just like, or it's like a reflection from the fire or just pure adrenaline that you probably could like hallucinate something. You know what I mean? Yeah. And not to take anything away from Nils's experience here, but of course when you're attacked and you're not, it's not descriptive of anybody. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And maybe you just don't know because your, your mind was trying to like, you know, protect you, which we've talked about before as well. Well, like I said, Nils' statement was of little use to police and offering really no insight into what actually happened that night. So they're sort of like, what's going on here we got a blonde guy with glaring eyes and or glaring red eyes like what do we go from here where do well they they didn't even say blonde he just noticed all black and and red eyes and then we have the blonde guy so we're not even sure if that's related right that's true too yeah a theory began uh, surfacing as locals began calling in possible leads which pointed to a man who worked at a small kiosk in town and his name was valdemar gilstrom now valdemar was notoriously ill-tempered when it came to the campers you know one of those camper karens yeah camper karens Camper Karens. Yeah, yeah. And on several occasions, he had gone out during the night while people were camping by the lake and destroyed their tents. And in some instances, actually threw rocks at them. Mm, okay. I mean, this is why is he so upset? Yeah. What? What's the What's the point of? I. I yeah. I'm lost. But keep going. <laughs> so locals kind of thought that, given the circumstances, he might have just taken it too far, resulting in the violent attack because mm. he seemed to be the only likely person. One witness claimed to see Valdemar Valdemar uh, near the crime scene on the morning of the murder, which was never officially confirmed mm-hmm. or at least denied due to the language barriers. It's tough to say here. So police also failed to collect any form of DNA samples from Valdemar extinguishing the possibility for forensic forensic testing later on. And remember, it is 1960. So this is right. way before DNA was even probably part of the protocol of collecting evidence like that. And so given your point, there's really just no hard evidence. Mm-hmm. No hard evidence at least was found that led police to consider Valdemar as a suspect. So again, kind of going cold here. Yeah. Allegedly, he drunkenly confessed to a friend that he had committed the crime shortly before committing suicide by mm. drowning himself, however, in Lake Bottom. So uh, again, that's it's like that could be true, but if that is, then we'll never figure it out. And overlapping with the investigation into Valdemar, another name was brought to the attention of investigators. Hans Asman lived in close proximity to the lake, and a doctor who worked at Helsinki Surgical Hospital claimed that he had come in on the morning of the murders with blood on his clothes and his fingernails. We shouldn't pass up the realization of what many listeners are probably thinking right now. Yes, it is Hans Asman. It is Yeah, you heard that correctly. Yep, that's yep. a Seinfeld episode for sure. That's right. That's right. It is literally right. Yeah, it um, is. You said it was. Yeah, yeah. Um. So it, it is ass man, but okay. <laughs> he lives close to the lake, and he's yep. a doctor. So him coming in in the morning with blood on his clothes and fingernails could have been a number of different things. That's but true. Okay. Yeah. Now he did say that Hans was acting very oddly, visibly nervous, even aggressive. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, This is the person who obviously called in about Hans. Now, documents fail to mention what exactly he was being treated for at the time, but it was noted that he gave the hospital a fake name. So very sussy. This is pretty much, you don't get much more sussier than this. You know, coming in, you're you're aggressive. Your documents aren't even right. There's and I'm sorry, I, I I read that wrong. I'm clearly having a brain fart. Hans was not the doctor. He just went in to the hospital uh, and a yes, doctor said right, yes. that he had, uh, I didn't, I just should clarify That's on right. his clothes and fingernails, yeah. but that could be for a number of reasons, hunters, whatever. Yeah, so right. again, just a little bit weird. The fake name is odd though. Very odd. The fake name tells me that, you know, you are, you're up to something, whether it's, you know, just casual or not. It's very odd. Well, little is known about Hans, but there's a lot of suspicion. Born in Germany, Hans had served time in the Nazi party during World War II. That might explain some things. That's something. Well, after the war, he moved to Sweden and then Finland shortly thereafter. Townsfolk said he would sometimes wander into funerals of complete strangers, seemingly just to observe. Hmm. I don't like some that. people might find it calming. I mean, like, I don't know, like people who are macabre into death, like, right. It could um, just be a weird right, quirk yeah. and like, uh, and weird, but it is a lot of circumstantial evidence could add up to something. Something comes to mind though, too, of like somebody who just may have some kind of like, <clears throat> not mental illness necessarily, but some sort of right. Maybe like trauma response from, especially if you're Maybe. just out of the Nazi party, there could be a whole, who, who knows? Nobody knows exactly what could have been going on there. But his name had come up during investigations into several other unsolved murders, all involving young people. Mm. Can I tell you something not to derail this, but I watched like 10 minutes of an unsolved mysteries episode recently like the the old yeah. school one, and I was still it's creepy, very disturbed by his. Yeah, voice. it's you're shaken, you're disturbed. You know yeah. what else about that show? They did the recreations. And it's the music. It's the music, but the recreations were so good. Good, I know. They were because it's like location. low. It's like low yeah. budge, they and that's what makes it location. even better. <laughs> In the middle of Pennsylvania or Idaho, right. and they and you felt the coldness of these mysteries so well with that show. Anyway, that's for another topic, but for another time. Nonetheless, so back to Hans here. Um, like I said, he had come up during the investigations. They all involved young people. And most alarmingly, he bared an uncanny resemblance to the official sketch that had been released by police. Now, that makes sense, given everything we know, because the police are only going on basically all this other information that we have as well. As far And according to us, everyone in Finland looks alike. So, of course, he's going to look like the sketch. In Finland looks like Thor. Exactly. Right. Correct. So, conveniently, after the sketch was released, Hans decided to cut off his long blonde hair. Wow. wow, very Thor Ragnarok for those of you who like Marvel movies. Just going to say that. You were just going to say that right on the tip of Darren's tongue, you guys. Well, at the initial time of investigation, police found that he had a credible alibi for the time of the murders. Hans had been actually Darren cheating on his wife on the evening Ooh. of the murders. He was home with his lover and a few new, and a few friends, all of whom claim he was there the entire night and could not have left without somebody noticing. I mean... You know, this is one of those times where you do have to kind of think it's 1960. You know, people nowadays, if you're in a group of, uh, in my opinion, at least, if you're in a group of people and you leave, 
it's so much easier to know if you've left, right? right? You know, like you could call that person, you could hear their phone ring, you could see their location on Find My Friends. They could have done a million other digital things that, you know, you would right. have tripped ring, the ring, ring bell. Cam. Yeah, the right, ring exactly. doorbell. I love that we were on the same page right then. Obviously. You know, so I feel like in 1960, it might have been a little bit easier to kind of escape for even just an hour and go do something. But yeah. anyway, we're going to take take this information as we have it. Well, Hans Assman remains a popular theory amongst authors and internet sleuths. But the first to propose the idea was the very doctor who treated him. Professor Jorma Palo treated Hans for his mental health conditions. During their time together, Hans really opened up and he told him about his time serving in the Nazi party yes. as a guard for the actual infamous Auschwitz concentration camp, which probably is probably the most well-known exactly. of the concentration camps where they exactly. put the number on their arm. Wow, that's intense. Yeah, so very intense. I guess in him opening up to this doctor, you know, he claims or he says that while at camp, Hans fell in love with a Jewish girl who was being held prisoner. And when his superiors found out, he was punished and shipped to fight on the front lines against the Soviets. That's so sad. Just, very I mean, not sad. that I feel bad for a Nazi. I'm just saying in that, well, that way. Now, during the battle, he, he was captured as he's at, and as he claimed, he was recruited as a KGB agent under the Soviets. Mm. Now, Professor Paulo would go on to write a successful book series exploring what he had learned from Hans and his own personal theories as to what he was responsible for. In his book, he claimed that Hans had confessed to another unsolved case, the murder of Kaliki Sari, who was a young girl who had been abducted while riding her bike and buried in a swamp one year before mm. the Bodum slings. Wow. That's sad. Very sad. Hans told Paulo that the girl's death wasn't a result of murder at all, but rather a cover-up for an unavoidable automobile accident, and that he and his driver then staged the scene as to murder as a mm. murder to avoid blowing their cover on their top secret KGB mission. Wow. See, like that's possible. It also it could tracks. sound like it's yeah. like, but it, it tracks, but it also could be like, is he schizophrenic? Like, what's going on? This sounds that's all too convenient. Too. Like, but yeah, like that might track that that does happen, you know, like I've yeah. seen land. You've seen what? Homeland. Homeland, that's right. I mean, <clears throat> you know, I keep going back to what is the mental health condition of somebody who served at not in Nazi Germany? I mean, can you even believe any one thing that this man says knowing what know. he's been knowing what he's gone through? I mean, it's hard to take people at the word when they've been traumatized like that. Clearly, some per someone took him at his word. Who yeah. knows? Yeah, it could yeah. be true. Paulo also suspected, apparently, Hans in the uh, Tula Hati killings, Tula yeah, Hati killings, right. which yeah. which bore striking resemblance to what happened with the mm. Bodo murders in in uh, Tula Hati, Tula Hati, Tula Hati. Two young women were brutally stabbed mm. and beaten while they were camping. So that's pretty similar, but. You know, their bodies yeah. were apparently dragged out to a swamp and then buried. And when asked about either of the camping murders, Hans said he refused to confirm or deny anything, which also was like some sick, twisted thing, too. Like, right. I don't know. Well, it's it's very strange. In the mid 1960s, eventually a man named Penti Soinanen, hopefully we're getting all these Finnish names. Gosh, it's tough. Yeah. Um, inserted himself into the story here by claiming to a fellow inmate that he had committed the murders. And when while Penti certainly had a history of violence and misconduct, the confession was not taken very seriously as he would have only been 14 at the time. 
And, you know, it's highly unlikely that a boy that age would be able to manage such a brutal act, you know, basically succeeding in killing three people, almost four people. But eventually the case would go cold as suspects were eliminated. And for decades, all that remained were the theories and hearsay of the locals, many of which, by the way, held strong convictions of who they thought the killer is. Even to this day, you could bring up this conversation today. And there would be thoughts about it. Finland. Well, I will say in that way, true crime really like it's it, it, it's timeless. Like these unsolved cases will haunt people. I mean, thank God and not enough cases are like this, but like it is right. one of the it's, you know, JFK assassination is like so yeah. talked about, you know, and yes, I think people agree, but a lot of people out there don't agree, including yeah. RFK. But yeah, junior. Anyway, it's true. And Finland began introducing DNA testing in the 1980s. So about 20 years after this went down with only one single lab serving the entire country. Now, Finland isn't that big of a country to begin with, but that's still crazy. Well, yeah. Or I was going to say there's just so little crime in Finland. Right. There's so little crime. Is that what you said? Well, maybe that's why they can only have one single lab, but I don't know. know? I wasn't sure what you meant there, but that's a good point. Yeah. You don't really hear about Scandinavia having a ton of serial killers. No. Um, The case fell low on the priority list as more time began to pass and new cases began rolling in. And that is until 2004, when a cold case unit decided to reexamine the Boda murders, uh, which uh, now with the use of technology, might finally lead to some solid answers, which is about the time this was happening all over the the world, by the way. This technology was being implemented everywhere. One of the most crucial remaining pieces of evidence was, of course, Nils' blood-soaked shoes. Because you do wonder, like, was that Nils's blood? Could it have been the attacker's blood, you know? And why were they located that far? That far away, yeah. Well, upon testing, it was found that the blood of three individuals was found, but it was all matching the DNA of the three that were deceased. But this information raised very important questions. If the culprit wore Nils's shoes during the attack, why wasn't any of his blood found on the shoes? You know, assuming again that he was uh, cut up in injured. some way with some yeah. sort of defensive wound. Yeah. So a completely new and shocking theory was born from these results, insinuating that Nils had been the murderer all along, ah, either inflicting his wounds himself to cover his tracks, which is crazy because he was stabbed in the fucking in the forehead, forehead, or as a result from a physical fight with Seppo during the attack. So perhaps, right. you know, Seppo did that to him. Now, right. this potentially could explain why Mila, Nils's girlfriend, had received the most brutal mm. treatment and had been the only one to be stripped. Nils- well, yeah, sorry, just, go ahead. I think just at this stage in our conversation and in the show, it I mean, we haven't discussed what could be the motive of anybody involved here. We don't and, know. And sadly, with not much other information, you know, I think if you're a, a proper investigator, you do have to sort of angle here a little bit to say, now, what could Nils's, you know, involvement potentially why be would here? he want to do this? Right. Exactly. And why kill the friends? So what's going on? So I guess Nils was arrested in March of 2004 and brought into custody where he's interviewed extensively. I mean, granted, this happened a long time ago. This is 2004 now that he was arrested. He maintained his innocence, saying he had no recollection of the night except for what he had already said to police. Police were convinced by the blood evidence that he was not telling the truth. And Nils was charged with murder and set for trial, which began. Yes. No, go ahead. Go ahead. It began on August 4th, 2005. One thing just came to mind mind though as you're reading some of this information is you know if if everyone was being attacked somewhat separately 
then realistically, Nils probably shouldn't have the other folks' blood in his shoes. That tells me he was coming into very direct contact with the other. Now, listen, that doesn't mean he's he's guilty here. But when you're they putting, were all in close proximity, though, so it you know it, it does make sense maybe why we'd have all the blood. But why are his shoes the only one that are 500 feet away? It's so strange. Yeah. You know, cause it, a correlation doesn't imply causation, but still. Yeah. Something to think about as we wrap up. Yeah. Well, apparently the prosecution argued that they believe Nils had drank too much that night and became belligerent, resulting in him getting kicked out of the tent with the others. He began fighting with Seppo, where he received most of his injuries, but ultimately he overpowered him and killed him. It was insisted that Nils then continued his fit of violence by attacking the girls in the tent. He allegedly then attempted to flee, but realizing the suspicion that would bring to him, instead chose to leave his shoes in the woods to confuse police, where he would then walk barefoot to the site and lie there until someone discovered the scene. Now, that does feel perfect, and that it, yes. that, but it feels too flimsy because it feels like we have the conclusion. Now we're going to work back as opposed yeah. to creating the yeah, story. And, true. you know, so it feels a little bit of like opposite of scientific method. <laughs> yes, that's a great way to put that. Well, the bird watchers were brought up as well, claiming that the mysterious blonde man they saw was indeed Nils. The defense argued that this theory was completely incredible, that the evidence led to an outside party committing the crimes. Now, by the way, at this point, we're so far removed. How could the bird watchers really positively identify Nils? Who, in this right, exactly, exactly. Let's be Especially, real. And let's see how far away they were, too. This is why eyewitness testimony isn't good. Yeah. Yeah, Nils had been extremely close with Seppo and Anya, and he had seemingly a happy relationship with Myla, and therefore would not have any motive to hurt them. And by the way, like you can probably interview friends and family to really get a good grasp on yeah. that. In the end, the court sided with the defense, deciding that there was simply not enough concrete evidence to definitively say that Nils had murdered his friends. Which you hope happens, right? Like even right. if he is, you know, the killer, you got him. You have to prove that you, beyond a reasonable you know, doubt. Beyond yeah. a reasonable doubt. While there was reasonable suspicion, the prosecution's theory could have been correct. Too much time had passed to ever know for sure. Nils was acquitted on October seventh, two thousand five, at the age of sixty three. Remember, wow. a lot of time has passed since then. As an apology, the state of Finland awarded him a sub of a sum, excuse me, of forty four thousand nine hundred euros for mental wow. suffering, which would never in a million years, I think, happen in yeah. the United States, yeah. but different culture in in, uh, in Europe and in Finland. He attempted to sue various Finnish new, newspapers for defamation, but was denied as well. Wow! Because right, he wasn't convicted. You know, as far as you, as far as we know, he's a victim in all of this. To be honest, right? Exactly. No, true. Um, and when he was arrested, Nils had been living in uh, Espoo and had retired from his career as a mechanic. And actually, his whereabouts today are unknown. Which I would do the same thing if I'm him. I'm like, get me off the grid. I want to be left the hell alone. You know, guilty or not, that's what I would probably be doing. So it's a frustrating case though. Cause you, yeah, you know, is. it's like, it could have been anyone. There's really no motive. And it does totally. really, it does really go with a lot of like, Oh, it was only his girlfriend who was stripped, but that would be really, it could have just been a coincidence. And that's, what's kind of tough about this, I think. Yeah. And we got into a little bit of the motive conversation at the end of that, ep of today's case, but you know, especially like you brought up a good point, Darren, there's not a lot of serial killers that especially in the 60s, I don't think happening in Finland. So 
you do have to wonder like who was doing this and why and I don't know. Such a brutal way to. And, and exactly. Yeah. It, it's very strange. But let us know what you guys thought about this case. Have you heard about it before? Uh, are you from Finland? Please do let us know. You can hit yes. us up at J Thrasher and Carpe Darren. We, of course, have our Facebook group, which you can join at, at any time. And if you're on Patreon, message us there and we'll DM you right back. Darren, let's get into listener shout outs as we wrap up this week's episode. Our dear friend Mitz Maritza commented on a recent video podcast on Patreon saying, uh, yeah. ha, 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 Darren, fading into the <laughs> darkness is funny, but sort of creepy. I did do that. And you I did. can't wait to find out who will be our guest, who will be a guest mm-hmm, on the show. Excuse mm-hmm. me. Yes. Yeah, so last week's, uh, our very last, not our very last, our most recent video yes. podcast, Darren was in her room and like, You know, it just slowly got darker, got darker, got darker. Darren was wearing black. And then all you could see by the end of that video was just your face. You were like Zordon from the Power Rangers. Uh, That's Um, what I was going to say, too, like Zordon. You were going to say that. Don't yeah, it's just like don't... Zordon. It was yeah, just like exactly Zordon. Exactly like that. Yeah. Thanks, Mitz, for that funny comment. Yeah, thank Our you. friend Pam on Patreon had a question for me, Darren, saying, Love this. John, I'm just getting back into my Switch, my Nintendo Switch. What oh, are your Lord. top five game recommendations? Pam, here are my top five. This is in no particular order. First of all, you got to get Mario Kart 8. You got to do it. It's a classic for the Switch. I have talked extensively about Animal Crossing. I love a good Animal Crossing. My original Switch got stolen during COVID and um, lost my whole island, which is devastating. More, which you can hear about on the show. Darren's giving the, oh yeah, horrible uh, sign. Uh, One of those games that I spend, I think this is the one I've spent the most time with, Wheel of Fortune. Absolute fun. You can play online. Trivial Pursuit, if you're in that, if you mm. love a good board game, Trivial Pursuit on the Switch is you're learning. Really fun. You're learning, you're, you're, in, you're, you know, using your brain a little bit there. And of course, one of my all-time favorite games, Mario Party All-Stars, full of fun mini games, you and the family, you and some friends. And uh, one honorable mention, any of the Jackbox games. Those are also, fun to do with friends. Those are so fun. Like, you'll have the time of your life, you'll laugh hysterically. They're only like... They're between like five and 20 bucks a pack. Yeah. So super cheap and a lot of fun. That, Darren. And none of, by the way, not sponsored by Nintendo on this week's episode. No, that's just John's thoughts. And to see John giving these recommendations in person to me and my reaction, <laughs> please join us on Patreon where you can get all kinds of bonus right. content, including ad free episodes in video form. That's mm-hmm. right. You can see every single full episode recording right on Patreon. I'm giving uh, some hellos to our Patreon friends who are watching. And you can also weigh in on real life things that affect the show. We've been doing some polls lately and we're excited to get your thoughts about the show and incorporate them from time to time. Who doesn't want to weigh in on whether or not I should wear a Squirtle hat next week? You know what I mean? I definitely need to weigh in on this and my vote should be the only one that counts so I don't have to experience this. And of course, we have to thank Megan. One, two, three. Thanks, Thanks, Megan. Megan. You are the best. And of course, we're we're covering Natalia Grace next week. So make sure you are catching up on the six part show on max the curious case of natalia grace and uh it's crazy yeah yeah check your freshies and make sure you check your brake pads without pants and apparently you don't need a penis we're still doing that all right we'll see you guys next week bye bye